The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. So if you got your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back table for you. If you don't own one, please write your name in it. That's our gift to you. Um, if you've got a smartphone, you can find it on a free app called Version. But we've been going through this series uh, called Grace at Work, and uh, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And one of the things I said a couple weeks ago, we talked about cleaning out our closets. Um, the purge last week was a huge success. Huge. Um, the purge, and I have to, I, we'll have to rename it because there's a movie called The Purge. And I, I mean, that wasn't good marketing on my part, sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but here's what it did result in. Y'all had a bunch of crap or stuff. Um, and you filled up that trailer and Tammy, I've got mints in my pocket and it doesn't set well. Um, sorry. I told you I'm dealing with some, I feel like I'm confined in a chair. Um, anyway, the trailer was stuffed and Tammy, uh, took, Tammy was on the crew that took it to multiple places last week because one place could not take all of it. Um, tell us about that. So we were able to bless um, a leg up in downtown Fort Worth. They help the homeless. Um, and what they were looking for is professional clothing. So homeless could um, t- do interviews. They were looking for work boots and things like that. And so um, I told her that a trailer was coming. And she said she'd have volunteers to help us unload it. And um, we pulled up in that trailer and opened the door. And she said, oh, my, your church is very generous. And so um, after an hour of unloading, she said, your church is too generous. We can't take it all. They didn't have room for it. So we went to the Presbyterian Night Shelter and then the Presbyterian Women's Shelter. And I tell you what, when we went and pulled up to the Presbyterian Women's Shelter and there was a baby bed in there and there were all of these kids' board games, you would have thought we just donated a million dollars. They were so excited for all of that. And we filled them up and this stuff was like multiplying. Um, yeah, and so um, they took all that they could, and then we um, they they sent us down to a, a goodwill location, and so um, it was it was fun. It was fun to see their faces and, and and do that, and you guys were very generous. Yeah, thank you, guys. We'll do that again. We'll change the name, um, <laughs> or we'll keep it just because I think it's catchy. But um, but we'll do it again. But we'll do it a little differently. But and here the reason we're going to do it again because we're people and we accumulate stuff. Yep. Okay, so you're going to buy stuff this year that you ain't going to wear at all. It's going to hang in your closet, and it's going to be crazy. But um, so, uh, so through the book of Ephesians, we talked about cleaning up and putting on the new self and all of that. And then we went into that tough section last week about uh, marriage, um, that our marriages can work. Um, we're not called to dysfunctional marriages. We're called to functional marriages. We're called to functional families. Um, I had a friend that used to say, I put the fun in dysfunctional. Um, and going over to their house, man, I, it, it wasn't fun. It was very dysfunctional. Um, but uh, God, God puts us together and gives us incredible purpose in, in what he does. And so um, your marriage, like I said, your marriage has to be between two healthy people. It takes two healthy people to have one healthy marriage. And God doesn't put you together like a sitcom. We're not God's reality TV show. He's like, oh, I'm gonna put these two together. Let's see what happens. This ought to be fun. There's incredible purpose in what he brings you together for. And then there's incredible purpose in our families. I mean, the kids, you have the kids you have because God knows that that's the best environment for them to know about God. And so um, kids are an incredible blessing. They're an incredible challenge. 
my girls, I have two girls, 19 and 24. How old are your kids are? 19 and 22. 22. They're an incredible blessing. They're an incredible challenge. But here's what I've learned. I'm going to be a grandfather in December, and I'm so excited. I've learned something about this. Grandkids are my reward for not killing my children. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So thank you for standing with me and being a part of the village so my kids have survived, and uh, I love it. So, um, but one of the things that we're, we're doing is I want Tammy to help in this passage because Tammy's another voice to this conversation. Um, our partnership with you, mom and dad, is another voice in, in you raising your children. Teachers are another voice. Those that God sets in authority are another voice that's designed to help us walk in obedience. And obedience is vital. Obedience is important. Paul talks about it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, my father was good at that. He was good at the discipline and instruction. Those of you who don't know, Tammy and I are brother and sister. And uh, um, so we, we have a lot of sibling stories. We can't share all of them today. Some of them, I mean, I'm just telling you, they're just, it's just bad. I was the good kid. There's four kids. I was the good one. Um, but uh, I learned a lot. Remember how I told you, smart, stupid, wise? Okay, smart, you make a, make a mistake, learn from it. Stupid, you make a mistake, don't learn from it. Wise, someone else makes a mistake and you learn from it. No. And so all my, no. I got a lot of wisdom from watching my siblings. But what's interesting about, I better stop because I'm, God's saying, you're lying. Um, That's right. I'm going to move over. I can some feel her stare strikes. and her stare. Oh no, God's that good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I told, said that last week. God's that good of a shot. But, um... <laughs> Obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Um, so obedience is, is part of this progression. Um, chapter five started out where Paul's writing to the church. He says, walk in love. And then verse 21, he says, and you've got to submit to one another in that love. And so our relationships begin to progress, that there's love, there's submission. Paul says that our marriages are about love and respect. And now he's bringing obedience into this, into the into the. the hierarchy of children in the home. And God set a structure, and that structure is right, and obedience is right, and we're called to walk in that. And one of the things, um, why is obedience so important? I love this about God. He doesn't stop it because I said so. How many of you have said because I said so? Here's what I realized. The older I get, the smarter my parents Amen. were and are. And I'm saying the things that they used to say. Remember? Why? Why can't I do that, Dad? Because. Because. Because why? Because I said so. I mean, we, look, we, put, we say because I said so as an exclamation point at the end of a, of a sentence, right? Like, stop talking to me about this kid. Because I said so. And then I remember one time my daughter pushed me a little farther on that. I want to know because why. And I said something my mom used to say. Because is the reason, and that's why. And I was like, oh, no, it's happening. <laughs> but God gives us instruction about obedience. He says obedience is right. Paul's talking here to the entire church. And he says, 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, what's interesting about this is Paul is talking to the whole family. It's that other voice. And so I want Tammy to kind of share with us about what voice the Creek Kids ministry has with our families and kind of your partnership with families, what, what the heart is, what you want to do so you can get an insight into the, the ministry here. I'm passionate about your kids. I love your kids. I respect your kids. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to teach them. And, um, and, and thank you for, for letting me have that honor. And it does take a village. We're here to partner with you. Um, we can't do it alone, and you can't do it alone. But together we can do it, and he's proof. That it, I mean, we had an amazing church growing up, and, and um, he was tough, man. He's going to tell you some stories, and you're going to be shocked. You're going to be glad he's not teaching your kids anymore. No. Um, and if, and if I that, was a middle school pastor for a while. That was fun. If, that doesn't, if his story today doesn't scare you, I can tell you some more. I'll, I'll be happy to do that. But I'm hey, passionate about your kids. Charge for those, though. Charge oh, for those. I do charge? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we could raise some money for Creek Kids. Okay. But <laughs> I'm passionate about your kids. I love your kids. If you don't know that about me, uh, I mean, I, they are, they have my heart. And you have my heart, too. And like Matt said, if, even if you don't have kids, you're still part of this family. And it's still your responsibility, um, your, your calling to make sure that we're pouring into our kids. And we have amazing people in Creek Kids that are passionate about teaching your kids. And one of the things that we've done recently is we took a look at our structure. So we took advantage of the millions of dollars the local independent school districts have poured into analysis and research that they've used to structure the schools and we're taking advantage of that. And so what that means is um, we want to create an environment that the kids are familiar with and comfortable with and able to learn in. And so what we've done is in our preschool department, we're taking the kindergartners out and we're moving them into elementary because elementary school is kindergarten through fifth. And so what that means for also for the elementary is fifth will be pulled out of what what we were calling our middle school program, and elementary will now be kindergarten through fifth, and our middle school program will be sixth, seventh, and eighth. This is how the school districts are structured, and this is what the kids are used to, and they're used to seeing their friends, and um, so we feel that this will be a better environment for them to learn in, and we've, we're calling it phases, Kids go through phases, and so in, in our nursery and preschool department, the, the, the phases embrace. We want them to embrace God. We want them to embrace the fact that God loves them, God made them, and Jesus is their friend forever. And we feel like teaching these biblical truths to them in nursery and preschool will be the foundation for elementary to dig deeper into the Word and to start their relationship with Christ. And in elementary, we want them to engage in that relationship with Christ, to engage in God's word, to engage in the truth, to engage with their leaders and with each other, and to start building that community with each other that they need, that fellowship that we have to have. And we want them to know that they're created perfect for his purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the things he planned for us long ago. God has amazing plans for our kids, and we're all part of that. 
And I have the absolute best job in the whole world because I get to see that and be part of that. And believe me, I feel the responsibility of that. And I don't take it lightly because I love them and I want to see them growing in their relationship with Christ, growing in their knowledge of the word, growing in their faith. Because my goal is that our children would never lose their childlike faith, their wonder of our God. Can you imagine if we were able to teach them from nursery, preschool, elementary. I'll talk about middle in just a minute and on to high school. Earlier, Matt called the high school ministry the, the, the um, corrective, corrective ministry. ministry. What if we didn't have to correct? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if they kept that childlike faith? And so in middle school, we want to enlarge their world. We find that in middle school, the world comes to a singular view, me. They start worrying about what their peers think of them, what the world thinks of them, more than what God thinks of them. And what we want to make sure is that they enlarge their relationship with Christ. They enlarge their study in the word. They enlarge their view of our God and what he can do in them. And so that's the reason we've changed the structure so that we have this environment where they're comfortable and they're with people that they're with at school and that they can learn um, and grow so that when they go into high school, they've already started understanding that they're called for God's purpose. They start understanding and start living the calling that God's called them to. They start using their gifts and talents. I'm a firm believer that we have to give them something significant to do or they're not gonna understand their significance in God's plan. We can't teach them and train them and wait until they're in high school and say, okay, now let's go find your calling and do something significant. We're going to provide opportunities for them to do something significant now. They just develop that along the way. Um, And I think it's important, those environments are important. Um, How we learn and and how we put those environments together in helping our children. I I love this passage um, because... In some ways, it puts our kids in their place because it's like, you got to obey me, you know? Paul said it. Children, obey your parents. So it's almost like, could you imagine? Because I know, let me kind of set the stage because this probably never happens with you guys um, where your kids are a little crazy coming to church and you wonder what they had. You know, you're like, do we need to do a drug test or did you just have Cocoa Puffs, man? Um, and uh, so they've kind of tried your patience on the way to church. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened. My kids did that to me all the time. Um, they're not here, so I don't have to pay any money. Um, but can you imagine the parents that Paul's talking to? They're probably like, this kid was a beating to get ready this morning. They didn't want to wear what I asked them to wear. Or, you know, if, I loved middle school ministry. I was a middle school pastor for many years. And uh, that was the preventive ministry and high school corrective ministry. Um, I loved it. They're half-baked human beings, but they could frustrate you very quickly. If you're a middle schooler, yes, you can frustrate very quickly. You have that ability. That's a superpower you have. And so but Paul's saying, hey, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. This is the structure that God set up. And obedience is, is vital. Obedience needs to mark the Christian life. Um, every one of us are a child 
And obedience should be something that marks our life so the world sees something different, so that the world sees us walking in a different way. And, and this verse, I actually, at, at, at the store the other day, I, you know how I said it takes a village? I was about to go and be a part of a village with a mom at the store the other day um, because her child, I don't like going shopping. And when I do, crazy stuff happens. But this child... I, I don't know if I needed an old priest and a young priest and some anointing oil to cast a demon out or what. This kid could scream and it was awful and they were not getting their way. And I was, you know, this, this verse was, this passage was going through my mind. And I was like, you know, here, here, the modern day translation of how we've kind of changed this in our society is not children obey your parents for in the Lord for this is right. We've somehow adopted this lie from the enemy of this parents obey your children because this will keep them happy. And can I tell you something? That's not biblical. That's not even logical. I mean, God set this structure. And, and, and what I've learned in my relationship with God, he is more concerned about my holiness than my happiness. So parents, what kind of holiness are you instilling in your children at the cost of their happiness. Now, it's not saying, he says, fathers, don't exasperate, don't anger your children, don't provoke them. So it's not like we go, how am I gonna make my kids unhappy today? Um, but it's, we're, we're not striving for their happiness, but their holiness. And God cares more about our character than us being comfortable. And so this verse, this truth, this scripture reads, children obey your parents, not parents obey your children. It's, it's just a messed up situation when we get involved with this. Now that puts the responsibility on us as parents, on you as parents. If you don't have children, you carry a responsibility because you're part of this church community. Here's what it means. Your kids are watching you. I mean, Tammy's got some stories just, <laughs> Tammy's got some good stories on y'all because of your kids, because <laughs> they're watching you. We're taking donations for Creek Kids if you would like to <laughs> pay for the silence. They're going to because the people are going to come up to you after service like, so what has my kid said? What happens in small group stays in small group. We had a, Abby, our youngest daughter, 19 now when she was in elementary school was, was crazy. But, um, and she was, she'll tell you that. But we had a teacher that told us on the parent-teacher night, and we're like, we need to pray for you because it's going to be a hard child I'm sorry that you drew her, but she made a comment. She goes, I won't believe everything she says about you if you don't believe everything she says about me. Um, like, okay, we're, we're good. Okay, what happens in the classroom? But, but you have a responsibility to model this life of obedience in front of your children and in front of other people's children, in front of the church and how we do it. So, Obedience is right. Tammy, why don't you go on to the next verse? The next verse in, in Ephesians 6, 2, Paul states, says, honor your father and mother. In parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise. What Paul is stating here is the, the fifth commandment, but he's stating the fifth commandment for the New Testament believer. What he's saying is obedience is commanded. Um, he, Paul says back in Galatians, um, um, 324, 
Um, bear with me. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, meaning we are no longer under the law. Christ set us free from both the bondage and the curse of the law. But if we are in Christ, and the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, we will follow this, his command. Because the righteousness of the law is still a revelation of God's holiness. And we are to seek after righteousness. We are to follow in the footsteps of Christ. As a believer, we are obedient because it's right and because it's commanded by our God, by our Father, as his children. So it gets back into the example then because there's a difference in com being commanded and being demanded. Right. As parents, we often demand obedience. You will do what I say. And there is a difference between demand and command. Demand is to insist because you're right. And you know what? God could demand obedience from all of us. He's right. He's just. He's holy. He's God. He's, He's the only a, one that can say, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Yeah, because he does. <laughs> um, but God doesn't demand. He commands. And the definition of command is, sorry, the definition of command is to be in a strong enough position to acquire. God acquires our obedience because he's in that position. We need to be able to command obedience from our children. We need to be in that position because we're seeking after Jesus. We're walking in righteousness. We're modeling obedience for our children. And that's, that's really where it means when it says honor your father and mother, it's, it's to respect and to love. It's going back to what Paul's saying. He's tying this great line through, through how we walk this Christian life, right. that there has to be love and respect, um, that as we walk in obedience, it puts a life in front of other people that they can respect and that they say, okay, I, so right. honor your father and your mother is not just, you know, making your bed and doing your stuff, you know, and parents, it's not demanding that obedience. Like, you're going to do what I said, kid. Look, I've got two daughters, and they, they are their mother's child. And you're not demanding them to do anything. I'm sure the first service told on me. Mm -hmm. So, because um, she wasn't in the first service, and I shared a story that I, was, I said, you're not going to demand my daughters do anything because they are their mother's child. You don't demand the daughter of a redheaded woman anything. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. That's all I said. So, whatever, <laughs> if they told you anything else, they're lying. But... Uh, <laughs> But it means to bring honor and respect. We live a life worthy of that. Right. So people will submit to that. Parents, we live a life that models obedience to our children so they know what it looks like to submit in obedience and walk in that command. And that command, it says that it brings a blessing. That obedience is a command that brings a blessing. And it's twofold blessing. Paul says that, it may go well with you and that you will live long. And what I've learned is obedience provides harmony in the family. Now, I, I, I was good at obeying my mom and dad. Um, the rest of my siblings were not. And it caused a lot of disharmony in our home. But mm. <laughs> I'm feeling the heat. No, I, was, I, was, no. I, I struggled with obedience. 
I'm the type of person, if you say do this, I'm, I'm going to do it, or, or don't do this. I want to do it. I mean, it's just, that's the way I'm wired. I mean, I want to I wanna break stuff and see how it goes back together. It's just in my nature. I don't know. Maybe it's my sin nature. I don't know what it is. It just happens, okay? But this is, Paul's stating a principle here. He's not saying that every person who died young died as a result of disobedience. He's stating a principle because our life is measured in quality and quantity, and God handles the quantity and the quality, and the quality is much better when we walk in obedience. What I've found is that in walking in disobedience, I put myself in situations where my life is threatened and where I have the opportunity to shorten my life. Now, growing up, I had a best friend, and it seemed like uh, every time he and I got together, this, this whole principle came into play. Um, that my life was in danger of being shortened every time we got together. <laughs> One time, um, and I'm sure my father told me at some point, don't play with gasoline and matches. Um, because, yes. uh, as every father of a son has to do, right? But we were at their house, and their house was a split-level house. And to, so it had like a walkout basement with a concrete patio. And about 20 feet above that patio was a wooden deck. And inside that deck, there, there was a sliding door that went out the deck. But the room inside that was the dining room. And that's where all of our parents were. And they were playing board games or I don't know what they were doing. They were plotting ways to punish us. Um, but Stephen and I got bored. And we saw a can of gasoline. And we're like, I've seen the Dukes of Hazard enough times to know we can make an explosion here. So we sneak in, we do the covert op, and we get into the kitchen, and we get the matches from the kitchen. And we started small, like we pour a little bit of gasoline on the concrete, because we know concrete won't burn. So we pour gasoline on that, and we light it. I'm like, ah. Oh. So then we start using the gas to create design. If you've got kids, you might want to earmuff them. I'm just, uh, I didn't realize what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we start making designs on the patio. And so we light the designs like swirls and different things. It was awesome. Until one of us, I don't remember who, tripped over the gas can. And it spilled all over the patio. And it quickly got to the point of, we're going to get a beating for this. So the flames are rising higher, and we're looking at that deck, and we're trying to figure it out. But before we could move to action, I felt like what was the hand of God just swooped me up, and I'm hanging, I'm flying through the air. And then I feel this stinging sensation on my backside. And I'm like, this isn't what flying should feel like. And I look up and my father, has the, he had the, the Chuck Norris ninja move where he could swipe up your arm and swing at the same time. I mean, it was like, wha-pow! I mean, and I'm feeling that. And, and, they, and the other father gets the fire put out and I learned again that I'm not supposed to play with gasoline and matches. I, did, I ended up in a lot of situations where my life could have been shortened. I mean, I have, I mean, my sisters tell me, if we would have stayed in that town, you'd have been dead because you were the one that always took the fall. I came away with broken bones, with bruises, with cuts, with burns. That wasn't the only time I played with fire. But, um, no. 
And I struggled with disobedience. Um, but it's a blessing. <laughs> and it, it means that our lives are going to be enriched. You see, what we, what we learn is that sin always robs us. Sin robs us in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Sin robs us in our marriage. Sin robs us in our family relationships. But obedience is going to enrich us. And God can bless us through our walking in obedience. I mean, we, we see the perfect picture of that with Jesus, who as a son obediently did the will of his Father. And in obedience walked a hill called Calvary. And in obedience laid himself on that cross and bore the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And when asked why, he says, I do this to do my Father's will. And we see him walk out of that tomb on the third day, holding the victory over sin, over death. And our model of obedience right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it puts a responsibility on us, moms and dads, grandparents. It puts a responsibility on us as a church, even if you do not have kids. Are we modeling a Christ-like obedience for our kids to imitate? Because one of the things that my mom used to say, I'm sure you heard this, do as I say, not as I do. That's not in the Bible. If it is, it's in the book of hesitations. I don't, <laughs> haven't gotten to that one yet. But we have a responsibility to live this life in front of our kids. Tammy, what would you, what would you say to that? And then we'll, I'll pray for us. Paul's telling us to honor our parents. And honoring is, is also more than obedience. Obedience is when you're under your parents, you obey their rules. Honor is long after you've left your parents' care. Honor is how we live our life. We honor them by the life that we live. We honor our Father by the life that we live. We remember what he's done for us, how much he loves us. And we use that honor in our life to model it for our children. Amen. Well, let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you have called us to walk in obedience. I thank you that you give a blessing when we do that, that you long to bless us, your kids, and so help us to walk in obedience. Help us to be an example before our kids and before other kids. God, it truly takes the family to function, to raise our kids in the life that you've created them to live. And I thank you that our church is a family. And I pray that you use us. Father, I pray that, that if there's any parents right now that are going through difficulties with their children, I pray that you begin to pour peace into that situation. God, I know that there are parents whose kids have walked away from them and said, I want nothing to do with you. And I pray that you bring peace to the parents and that, that you keep your hands upon their, those children because no one loves them more than you do. 
And I pray that you bring them to their senses and that there's a heart of repentance and there's restoration waiting in the parents' arms. And Father, I, I pray that you help us to be the parents that you called us to be so that we raise our kids knowing that they are created, as Tammy said, for incredible purpose. And we see our kids and we see generations change. And Lord, we see the world change because the world sees what it looks like for salt and light and obedience to truly walk in a way that is honorable before you, God. We love you. We praise you. We lift our families up to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.